Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast, brought to you by HarperCollins Publishers. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Laney from the Library Love Fest marketing team and we're so glad you joined the podcast today because we have an exciting interview between Sarah Lambert who's the marketing assistant at Harper and her author Jacqueline Moriarty and before I turn it over I just want to have a quick intro to tell you how this came about so Sarah was presenting this book and that we will it's called Gravity is the Thing and it's out in July but while she was presenting it I just remember hearing the excitement and the love for this author's work come through and I just I knew the perfect person to talk about it was Sarah so we got Sarah in here and we have the author calling from Australia yes. thank you so much oh, it's uh, quite early there right now hi Jacqueline <laughs> hello how are you great hi, doing great so we are you're in good hands I'm going to turn you over to Sarah who has some questions for you and that she's going to tell the listeners a little bit about the book yes I'll do Thanks. a brief synopsis first Gravity is the Thing is the adult debut from award-winning author Jacqueline Moriarty. The novel follows Abigail Sorensen, a single mother and cafe owner who has been receiving chapters from an offbeat self-help book titled The Guidebook since she was a teenager. Um, The book's arrival coincided with her older brother's mysterious disappearance. He was never to be heard from again. Uh, The Guidebook offers peculiar observations, instructions, and musings about life and Western philosophy um, and processes this ambiguous loss of her brother. Um, And when the novel opens, she's living in Sydney with her son, and she receives a final letter with an invitation to an all-expenses-paid trip to learn the capital T truth about the Guidebook. Um, And what follows is more or less of a, a year in an unconventional support group Um, sort of filled with really lively characters and lessons about hope and humor and a search for happiness. Um, And the thing that really got the librarians excited when Lainey presented this title in reverse for um, after I presented it was um, a Marion Keyes quote that we have where she said, Gravity is the Thing is one of the most magical, different, interesting, likable, lovable, beautiful, sad, lovely, immensely uplifting books I have ever read. I read it in agony of loving it, but also being so humbled by the fact that if I lived to be 7,022 years old, I would never be able to write a book as good as this. You will adore it. It's an instant classic. I obviously believe that 100%. So I have to tell you, Jacqueline, that when I read this quote to librarians that I presented to, there was an audible gasp. They were like, that's a great quote. And they were like, we have to find more out about this. We have this. to learn more about Jackie. Yeah. So that is what we are doing. Um, so that's probably a good place to start is your transition to adult novels. You've obviously had a very successful career in YA. So what inspired you to take that leap into this new territory? Okay, sure. It's, um, that was very kind of Marion Keith. <laughs> I love that quote. She's very generous. Um it's a it's a tricky question. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. It's a tricky question because I um, I've always really written for adults as well as young adults. Mm. So my first um, the first 
young adult book that I wrote was Feeling Sorry for Celia, and I wrote that when I was living in England doing a PhD, and that was when I made that kind of determined decision, this is, I'm going to make myself write a book that will be published. So I'd always wanted to be a writer, and I was always writing, you know, half, half books and opening chapters and books that were, were crazy, so they were never going to get published, but... Um, so I was doing a PhD in law, and it made me think this is my last chance. Once I finish this, I'm going to have to become a lawyer. So this is my last chance. I'm going to write the book that will be published. So writing Feeling Sorry for Celia was a kind of determined, um, almost ruthless thing that I was doing. But at the same time, because I've always loved writing just to express myself or for fun or for escape at the same time as I was writing that I was writing a book that I called I have a bed made of buttermilk pancakes which was about grown-ups and and grown-up issues and a bit magic because I sometimes like to have a bit of magic in books and that was a grown-up book so I was writing that at the same time and I kept on writing it and working on it almost in a stream of consciousness way um, while I was writing my next few YA books too and writing it and rewriting it and that actually ended up being published in Australia and Canada and Germany as a grown-up book called I Have a Bed Made of Buttermilk Pancakes <laughs> but in the States my um, my publisher there was Scholastic and Arthur Levine at Scholastic was um, who's the person who brought Harry Potter to America he was my publisher and he happened to read it that buttermilk pancakes book and said that um, that he loved it and he'd love to publish it as a YA title because one of the main characters happened to be a 12 year old girl so he said can you rewrite it with a with more of a focus on the girl named Listen Taylor and so that book became the spell book of Listen Taylor a, a YA book um, in America and so in in a sense, it, technically in America, this is my debut for adults, but I've got this secret other grown-up book <laughs> that is in other parts of the world. And um, as soon as I finished that, I started writing, even though I was still writing YA and also middle grade books, I started writing this Gravity book as soon as I finished that. So I've been writing that for the last 15, 10 or 15 years now, the Gravity book, just so that I have... I have an outlet for my grown-up thoughts <laughs> that I can work on at the same time as doing my YA. I love that. I had no idea. I read the spell book of Listen Taylor, but obviously as YA. Thank That's you. good little yeah. trivia <laughs> for that. Um, one thing I love about this novel is that it's such a thoughtful person's novel, but it's still light and creamy. Um, and it reminds me of this quote that I love from Catelyn Marie, and she's talking specifically about female writers and she says to write something light brilliant and frothy is incredibly hard it's like making bread you have to knead that dough for a long time to make it light as a feather anyone can write a serious miserable book and I feel like that's the type of book that I want more and more and more of um and I was wondering if you feel similarly writing in this genre oh that's such a great quote I hadn't heard that before mm -hmm. but I agree with that completely I um and I think it applies across all the different forms of entertainment and uh, the arts because it's similar in music and movies that we don't take comedy for example or romantic comedy as seriously as we do the serious movies and with the dark themes but 
getting comedy right is, I think, so much more challenging than getting a serious book right. And the same way that a happy ending, I think um, people seem to respect books with negative, sad, tragic endings more than they respect books with happy endings, and they can be dismissive. People can be dismissive of happy endings as being cheap, but in fact, I think happy endings are expensive <laughs> because trying to make um trying to make a happy ending plausible and convincing and and not I mean obviously there are books that do it in a twee way that don't do it well but and movies similarly but trying to make a happy ending convincing and satisfying and is is the is a greatest challenge I think so it's I I love romantic comedies that like you say have some have some serious intelligence behind them you want to be able to believe that happiness is possible and you can only believe that if there is some insight and thought behind the happiness and then you can say okay life is going to be okay if if it's not intelligent and it's not convincing but yeah getting that balance right and it's that's what I find about um, my sister Leon's um, books have been very successful and and most people praise praise them but then there are people who are dismissive and say oh that's just light and frothy so whatever but they could not it's they couldn't be writing those books there's so much uh, technical skill that goes into plotting and um, and to humor and character development which I think we've lost the ability to respect I think we used to have it literature didn't have to be the way it is now I think that these days it's the more obscure and confusing and odd it is the more we think it must be good literature but mm -hmm. previously we were happy to 500 years ago we liked a good book and a good story mm -hmm. and we could call that literature yes I completely agree and I think so much of the like romantic comedy genre these days it's just been so played out and there's nothing new and fresh that it becomes kind of a you know a satire of itself I don't know but oh, yeah. this that's what's so lovely about gravity is that yes there's romance there's laughter but ultimately it's one woman's journey that I found so compelling that yes there's there's some sexy characters but it's not you know that's not the end game of it um I've obviously lent this out to many friends and neighbors and family and everyone loves it um but the, the overwhelming consensus is that it's just so different from anything they've read before, from the narrative structure to the subject matter covered and your writing style is completely unique, I think, from based on anything that I've read. Um, so I was wondering if your style was influenced by anything or anyone in particular, or you mentioned kind of stream of conscious, your own stream of conscious. Uh, I wonder what it's influenced by. I, I think that I, it took me a long time to feel like I had found my own, my own voice, and I finally found that with Feeling Sorry for Celia, when I, when I, um, so I was writing all my life, and you know when you're writing, you find yourself being influenced by other authors, and accidentally or unconsciously imitating other authors, mm -hmm. and it's not, it's not really you. So with Feeling Sorry for Celia, which is a book about a letter writing exchange between two schools, I had tried to write that a few times and each time it wasn't really working I didn't think until one day I thought to myself well I was once a 15 year old girl 
and what would I have done if my teacher had said to me, you have to write a letter to this other school, this scary, scary, rough, violent school mm-hmm. down the road, and if I am a person who is this character, has all these attributes of this character, this particular hobby and this kind of mother and this, so, and that suddenly worked, and then the voice came to life for me. So it it was almost like trying to be a um, to be an actor, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get into immerse myself into the role in a way that I hadn't before. And so I try to do that with all my books now that I. Um, that I spent quite a long time trying to become Abigail in my head and to walk around thinking the way that she would think and listening. I like to listen to music that I can imagine the character also liking and until eventually I feel like I can play the role of Abby. And so it's almost like, okay, I am Abigail and Abigail doesn't take things too seriously, but she has a lot of anguish that she's trying to work through too so Abigail so it's almost like I'm I'm not trying to be funny myself but I'm I'm being Abigail and Abigail's a funny person hopefully so then the humor hopefully comes from her she definitely is that definitely comes across um I'm gonna pivot into a question um I just sat through this presentation on trends in publishing Um, And sort of unsurprisingly, a big trend, a big topic that's coming up is self-help and self-improvement, which obviously you're right on the nose here with Gravity, which does take a look at that um, phenomenon. So I was wondering if you wanted to speak to what made you want to examine the self-help genre? Um, Sure. Partly it's because I think I hadn't, hadn't, when I first started writing it, I hadn't really read any of the big books that I, you know, there's big movements with books coming out um, and everybody suddenly reading them. So a long time ago, I think when I was first thinking about this book, there was a book called The Celestine Sel- Prophecy that everyone was reading and I kept overhearing conversations, eavesdropping on conversations between people. And, and it's a book that's about the, partly about the power of coincidence and the fact that people have messages for each other. So I kept being on trains and overhearing young people saying to each other what message do you have for me and um, just finding it both ridiculous and fascinating and then noticing all the other books that would and I know earlier than that there's a book called I'm okay you you're okay and more recently the secret and he's just not into you all these books that um, I just just made me wonder why are these suddenly taking over the in, or infiltrating the, the psyche and what effect what effect does that have on people and I at the same time I remember a conversation with I've got a son who's 12 when he was about four years old he said to me um, would be good if we could swap and one day you be the child and I be the mother and I said oh yeah that's a good idea we can play that game if you want and he said, no, no, I mean, actually, that happened. I become you, and you become me. Like, that that should actually happen for a couple of days. If we tried really hard, we could make that happen. And I said, well, that's not really possible. And he said, um, but anything's possible if you truly believe. <laughs> and I thought, um, 
so he's got that and he really believed it and he's got that from children's television or cartoons or something so that idea that comes from the self-help industry that is in so many of the self-help movements anything is possible if you truly believe has infiltrated popular culture so much that this four-year-old absolutely thought this is how life works you just believe and you make it happen so I just wanted to investigate um, that idea and and it was partly being quite cynical about self-help and partly acknowledging that it has changed people's lives I was at I was at a writers conference with a group of people other writers talking to them about um, about this book and we're all agreeing, oh, self-help books, they're so ridic- ridiculous and they don't work, blah, blah, and they just play on people's insecurities and and um, offer cheap solutions when it's not how it works, blah, blah, talking like that. And then afterwards, one of those writers took me aside and said, don't tell anybody else this, but self-help books actually changed my life. And he said when he was 15, he was going off the rails in a lot of trouble with the law and and really spiraling out of control and he happened to find this series of books that he read and they he decided to start applying and that's what saved him and that's why he's a successful writer today so i don't i never wanted to be too satirical and mm-hmm. um or to, to mock self-help because i know it is important if you find the right thing but i also have some issues with the way the industry works and exploits people and the way that it seems like a a solution to problems that um that are much more fundamental and socially entrenched i think yes yes um i have one final question for you um that's sort of a similar topic of you know big big picture thinking um about destiny. And I want to preface this by saying that this was a very exciting, serendipitous moment for me to get this proposal from you because as you know, I was such a fan of YA um, and it still happened within my first year of being working in publishing. So it it did feel like destiny that I got to work with one of my favorite authors on this book. Um, So a big part of gravity is this idea that destiny, does it exist or is it something that we play into this like idea that an omniscient being is pulling strings for our greater good? Um, and I'd venture to say that Abby finds multiple answers to this question, but where do you fall on this spectrum and why is this something you wanted to explore? <laughs> um, it's, a t- it's a difficult question and I think not long ago I was doing a radio interview where I tried to get out of it by saying oh. I don't actually remember what my <laughs> it's in the book, I put it in the book but I don't remember what I actually think but I think there's I, I think what you say is right that Abigail comes up with multiple answers to the question the, the theme of the book is almost to try to say, say that we believe everything is connected but actually it's not. But I, I think I try to get it both ways and say, because there are connections, like you say, destiny. We see examples of destiny all the time. And I think all we can know is that we don't, I, I, I don't want to give away the ending, but I feel like uh, all that we can know, my, my take is, and I, and I think I try to um, explore it more, I hope I explore it more than this in the book, is that, um, that we don't know, but we can take a good guess, and that 
it is beautiful to think to see and recognize connections and they do happen and extraordinary things do happen that's not that's not a lie but we can also we also have some sense of what is real at the same time and destiny is probably not very likely uh but why not believe if you want to (laughs) yes i think that's a great intriguing premise to set the book up with i think that will attract a lot of listeners i'm hoping (laughs) Um, that's right or they'll just think that i talk a lot of nonsense but hopefully they trust me (laughs) I, i think they do that's well established now Um, This has been a conversation with Jacqueline Moriarty, the author of Gravity is the Thing. Be sure to pick up your copy on July 23rd. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely talking to you. Lovely talking to you. It was wonderful. It was lovely talking to both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you.